One year ago, White Castle did the impossible, and in the process took the restaurant industry into a new era of plant-based menu items. Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, executive editor with Restaurant Business Magazine, and in this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, I talk with Lisa Ingram, the CEO of White Castle. She recently joined me at the Restaurant Leadership Conference and talked about the chain's decision to introduce the Impossible Slider last year. The slider generated strong buzz for the chain, as well as sales, and it helped introduce fast food customers to the Impossible Burger, a meatless burger that tastes and feels just like beef. It even bleeds. Several chains since then have introduced plant-based burgers, and Burger King has recently started testing an Impossible Whopper in St. Louis. Lisa talks about what went into the decision and what kind of customers are ordering the product. She also talks about White Castle's surprising history of innovation, as well as its penchant for keeping employees for decades at a time. And later, I speak with Restaurant Business Senior Editor Pat Colby about the trend toward plant-based menu items and what that means for the restaurant industry as a whole. But first, here's Lisa Ingram. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm very honored to be here. So, uh, I understand you're actually here for another reason besides um, uh, besides the leadership conference. Are you opening a location nearby, aren't you? Yes, we are very excited to be doing our groundbreaking for our first Phoenix location. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that'll be on Wednesday, tomorrow. And so it's great to be able to be here and celebrate that as well. Mm-hmm. So you have a whole bunch of people. We do. We have a whole bunch of people. We have, we're going to have um, some dignitaries, some Cravers Hall of Famers there. We're going to have the Cravemobile, so we're going to be able to serve people sliders. It'll be a great event. We're really excited mm-hmm. about it. Now, what's uh, roughly the average tenure of the people that are going to be here? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, when I think about average tenure for our whole company, it's just it's a, such a wonderful stat for us. Um, our general managers have been there on average for 22 years. Out of our 10,000 team members, one in four have been there for 10 years or more. When you talk about um, the people in our restaurant leadership positions, um, we have 450 restaurant leadership positions, and 442 of those people started behind the counter and worked their way up. And so we have tremendous team, tremendous tenure in our mm-hmm. organization. We're really, really proud of that. What, what is it? I mean, what do you attribute that to? Because that's, I mean, obviously that has to have some long-term benefits for you. We absolutely believe it is one of our core competitive advantages. Uh And what we attribute it to, when you ask team members why they stay and why they love White Castle, their answer is usually because it feels like a family. Mm -hmm. And they're not really talking about me or the family Mm -hmm. members that own the business. They're talking about the family that's created in their castle, in their region, in their plant, in their department at the home office. Uh, They really feel like their general manager or their manager is creating a great environment for them where they feel challenged, where they feel respected, where they um, feel like they're rewarded for their work. And we're really, really proud of that. And we've been able to do that. That was something that my great-grandfather started um, in 1921 when he founded the company. It's continued to be a really core value for us uh, even Mm -hmm. through today. What are the, what kind of, what kind of benefits do you think this has for the company and for its restaurants? I mean, how does that translate? So our mission is to create memorable moments. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we're able to do that is because of this tremendous longevity that we have with our team members. So when you come into a White Castle restaurant, if you come often, we'll know your name. Mm-hmm. We'll know your order. Just by the sound of your voice, we'll know what you want. And we'll be able to serve that up quick and hot and fresh. And if it's your first time, we'll be able to give you a great experience. Not only the fabulous food, the hot and tasty food that we have, but also our team members' interaction because their whole sole purpose, our mission, is to create a great memorable moment. And we want to make sure that we find out why you came in and if it's your first time, we want to celebrate you. If it's your 300th time, we want to celebrate you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is the... um 
So I got to ask you about the Impossible Burger. Now I, I will admit that now I've known I've covered you guys for a while. Uh, I've known you've been fairly innovative, probably more innovative than I think people give you credit for. Still, yes. if I'm thinking about restaurant chains that would start serving a plant-based burger, you guys really wouldn't still be at the top of the list. Um, talk to uh, first. Tell us a little bit about sort of what was the thinking behind that and and behind making that decision, because that's pretty gutsy. Yeah, so you know, you talked about that we, we probably don't get enough credit for innovation, and that's, that has been a true part of our history. I like mm -hmm. to tell the story of, you know, we were founded in 1921, and we didn't actually do our first product development until 1962, when we went crazy and added a slice of cheese. That was our first product <laughs> development. And when drive-thrus came along, it took us 35 years to get on the drive-thru bandwagon. So we have not always been on the cutting edge of innovation, but we've done more product development in the last uh, 10 years than we've done almost in the last 100 years. And the Impossible Slider is a great example of us pushing the envelope. Mm -hmm. But it's also a great example of when we listen to our customers. So we, you know, we've been around for a long time, so we've had generations of customers that love our products. Yeah. And over time, some of those customers have decided that they want to become vegetarian. So they can no longer eat White Castle, but they still crave White Castle. So they would come in and they would order our cheese slider, where they would ask us to take some of the onions from the grill, um, put it on a burger, and put a slice of cheese on it as a vegetarian option. And we had a lot of customers that were doing that. And that evolved to us thinking, okay, how can we satisfy those customers in a better way? Um, and that evolved to us getting a veggie slider, a Dr. Prager product, mm -hmm. and uh, a black bean slider as a limited time offer. And our uh, breakfast sliders, if you eat eggs, and eventually, when plant-based products came out, we said, okay, well, we've had success with vegetarian options. Let's look at this, and let's look at all the options. And we tried the Impossible Slider, um, the Impossible product, and it is an amazing product. And we formed a great partnership with them and have been mm -hmm. really excited. This is our one-year anniversary since we launched the Impossible Slider, and we're really, really proud of um, that fact. And we've had a lot of customers coming to us for this great product. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I've tried it. it I mean, I mean, I think it's, it's surprisingly good. It's historically. surprisingly good, yes. I, 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 like, I've always said that, like, I've used to say now um, that, like, if you're going to go meatless, just do something that accentuates the vegetables because most meat-free products that try to be meat have been hot garbage. Yes. Right? And They're definitely not very tasty. Um, yeah, and this was shocking to me. When it's I first amazing tried. how good this product it's is. It's meaty. It is meaty. It looks like beef. Mm -hmm. It's I think it tastes like beef. Um, especially if you put lettuce, tomato. I mean, it's hard to tell the difference mm -hmm. sometimes. It's a great product. No, it, it it sold pretty well, didn't it? It has. It's been really, really positive for us. Mm -hmm. We've been um, really excited. You know, some castles will do better than others, but it has been overall a, a great addition to our menu. Mm -hmm. Has it? Uh, have you been? I mean, has it just been people who are um, uh, vegetarians, or I mean, has it been? I mean, do you think you're getting a lot of people who? We think we're getting both. Uh -huh. So we think people. We have um, data that would tell us that people will come in and just order the impossible. Mm -hmm. So we're making an assumption that those people may be vegetarians. And then we have other people that will come in and order the impossible and our regular sliders. And so those are people that are meat eaters that are trying the impossible or like the impossible and want to have both. So I think we're getting both, which is really, really exciting for our brand. Yeah, and that's what I did. Yeah. Of course, I mean, when the first time I tried it is, is I just compared the two and it's just 
Yeah, it was a really good product. Yeah. And uh, so you've now done the 2.0 version. We have. Updated. We have just launched the 2.0 version, and it's even better than the mm -hmm. original. So if you haven't had it in a while, you need to go back because mm -hmm. it's really, really good. Mm -hmm. Really good. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about why... Um, innovation these days is important. I mean, what, what's, the, what's the importance for, for, for White Castle, um, you know, to continue to innovate on the menu? Sure. So if you look at consumer trends, you will know that um, customers are getting more diverse. Mm -hmm. They want different um, opportunities to have different flavors, different eth ethnic backgrounds, different um, tastes. And so product innovation for us is a way to satisfy those cravings. We want people to come in and love our original slider, but if they want to have a beef, or if they want to have a chicken slider, or they mm -hmm. want to have a, a great breakfast slider, which is a fresh cracked egg on the grill, on these little Belgian waffles that we buy from Belgium and ship over here, yeah. or they want to try the impossible slider, we want to be able to offer any of those. And you know, we can put different cheeses and different sauces on all of those to satisfy any type of palate. And that's really the main reason, is because customers are becoming more diverse and want more bold flavors, want more um, different flavors, and we want to be able to satisfy them and make sure that White Castle is an option that they consider for all of their needs. Mm -hmm. Now, did you, when you were you know, planning the Impossible Slider, I mean, how long, what kind of a testing process did you go through? So we tested it from an operational standpoint in a few stores mm -hmm. to make sure that we could... Um, operationally serve the product in a safe and hot environment. And then we rolled it out to three markets, uh, Chicago, New York, and New Jersey, and tested that for a few months to see how that went. And then we rolled it out na nationwide. Mm -hmm. did, the, did the results you got surprise you at all? I think that uh, the results were wonderfully surprising. Mm -hmm. There were stores that I thought would do well that just blew it out of the water. And then yeah. there were other stores that I was like, I don't know that it's going to do very well there. And we sold a lot there, too. And so it's been interesting to watch, especially by store, which ones sell um, the most and which ones um, may not sell as many. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I think that what's happening with meat-free items is the way it's happening now is suddenly the fast food business is all about this mm -hmm. and um, I mean it's it's I mean now we are getting much larger some of your much larger competitors are starting to get in on this mm -hmm. and uh, it really seems like it's I mean this is the I mean in some form or fashion, you're just going to see a lot more of these type of products. Right. I mean, again, if you look at consumer trends, mm -hmm. the percentage of consumers that claim that they are vegetarian or flexitarian is absolutely growing. Mm -hmm. So from our perspective, being able to offer this meatless option, this plant-based product at a very attractive price point, um, to be first to market and to have this low price point, I think is going to continue to give us an advantage that our customers will want to come to us for. Right. But yes, there are definitely other players that are getting into the market as well. You got some pretty good buzz off of it for a while. Still yeah, are. yeah. We are. Since I'm podcasting about it, I yeah, guess counts. yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> we always like to talk about the Impossible Slider. We have a great relationship with Impossible Foods and have been very happy. Yeah, yeah. I remember they they, they were telling they were telling me that most of their customers are actually meat eaters that just mm -hmm. want to feel better about themselves. Well, I mean, yeah. If you think about their mission, their mission, they really want to go after meat eaters. And so um, starting with 
a brand like White Castle that's been an urban brand that's been around since 1921 makes a lot of sense for them and for us to be able to show that this is a great product. Mm -hmm. We can um, offer it alongside our beef sliders and give them customers a lot of different choices in what they want to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, remind me when you got into the CEO seat. It's been... Uh, it's been a couple of years. So a I've been CEO since 2015 and president since 2013. There haven't been many of you at White Castle, have there? There have been four of us, so I'm four the fourth. No yes. pressure there. No pressure at all, whatsoever. Uh-huh. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit about what kind of advantages there are, or disadvantages, Uh, to being a family-owned company in the current market? Sure. So I think there are a lot of advantages to being a family-owned business. Mm -hmm. Um, We we can take a long view, which I think is probably the the biggest advantage, and we also can really focus on our core values Mm -hmm. and how that impacts our business, from our team members to our customers to our shareholders to our communities. And that's been a big thing for White Castle ever since the founding. My great-grandfather was very focused on team members. He was very focused on customers. He was very focused on giving back to the community. And we want to continue those uh, that those focuses. And I think that that allows us to do things that other public mm-hmm. companies can't do. Right. When I got out of college, I worked for a private company that went public, and then I worked for Hewlett Packard. So I've had some experience working in other business types, and I really enjoy working in a family business. I think there's many benefits. So you worked outside the company for a while? I did, yes, I Wasn't did. Wasn't that a requirement or something like that? It is, it is something that we absolutely encourage. Mm-hmm. I think there, you know, for family businesses, for family members to go and work outside of the company uh, gives you a whole different perspective. Mm-hmm. It gives you a different perspective maybe on industry. It gives you an opportunity to look at different management styles to see what you like, what you don't like. Um, you know, I tell people in the business that I actually, the company that I was working at, I thought I would get fired because I made a mistake. Um, so I got to see how they handled that, and that has stuck with me, and I brought that back to White Castle as a good yeah. way to handle those types of situations. So I think you just learn a lot working outside of the family business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talk about technology. This is a... Yes. You might have heard that there's some technology going around. There's lots of technology going around right now. <laughs> I want to know what your thoughts on delivery, because I'm not, uh, what are your thoughts on delivery? I mean, where are you guys at? Yeah, so we, um, so when you talk about um, customers having, when I talk about customers having a lot of different diversity in their palettes, they also have a lot of different diversity in their desire to use technology. Right. And we were one of the, we were the first uh, hamburger QSR to launch an online ordering app, which we were really, really excited about. We have tested kiosks in some of our restaurants, and we found that through that technology that the customers want different methods. So Mm -hmm. some people want to use the app, some people want to use the kiosk, some people want to have the human interaction when they come into our castles. Um, Delivery has been another opportunity for us to satisfy our customers, allowing them to have the product delivered to their home at when and where they want it. And um, we have tried delivery. We've uh, partnered with Grubhub and with uh, DoorDash and continue to believe that delivery is an option that our customers want Mm -hmm. and that we want to be able to service. Mm -hmm. Does it work for you? I mean, there are some profitability concerns that we hear a lot from our There definitely are. I mean, it's yes, there definitely are. But for us, you know, we, uh, our locations are not on every single corner. Mm -hmm. And so to allow our brand to be more accessible to consumers through delivery has been a win-win for us. 
Um, but I, it is not an inexpensive method, but it is something right. that has been very, very beneficial for us. Right. I mean, you guys, if I'm not mistaken, were a relatively early adopter of um, putting your products inside grocery store shelves. That, yes. That's, over yes. the years, you've been, and as I said, we get back to that point, you're more innovative, I think, than people really give yes. White Castle credit for. Yes. And that's one of the first things that I remember. Yes. Which predates me writing about restaurants. Which yes. It predates me well, but it's a great example of innovation that my mm-hmm. father um, mm-hmm. was very instrumental in. And there's, it's, there's a great story behind it that, you know, my dad would go out and visit every single castle every year, and he would talk to team members, and he'd talk to customers. And he noticed, this was back in the early 80s, he noticed that customers would come in and order a sack of 20, but they wanted four for here and they wanted 16 wrapped. And wrapped was not a normal thing that we did in our operation. Mm -hmm. Our team members would actually individually wrap the burger in um, a a wax paper and put it in the box, and that wasn't our normal procedure. So when he would go out and talk to the customers and ask them about why they wanted some for here and then some wrapped, they would tell him, you know, we got this newfangled thing called a microwave oven. If you take these burgers out of the refrigerator and put them in the microwave oven and heat them up for 20 seconds, they're really good, you should try it. And my dad, um, you know, he he took that back and said, okay, well, this obviously is a customer need. Mm -hmm. Um, They want our products. How can we deliver it to them in the most efficient um, and food-safe manner? And when he went out to talk to different um, grocery stores about getting the product into grocery stores, I think across the board, everybody told him it was crazy that mm-hmm. no customers would want to order or would want to buy restaurant products in grocery stores. And you fast forward now 27 years later, and there's lots of restaurant brands in grocery stores. So I think right. we were one of the first yeah. to uh, go into that, and that business has been a great business for us. We now have three plants that make all of our products and ship them out to grocery stores across the United States. So yeah. we're really proud of that business. Yeah, so you get a much broader reach. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's a great, great business for us and definitely growing. Right, but that gets to the whole point. Like, you guys are, you, you see a way in which customers want to access your product. Right. And then you find a way to give it to them. And I think that's where the best innovation comes comes mm-hmm. from is from your customers or yeah. from your team members, which in our case, our team members very often represent the, the customers in their local um, castle. And so we do a lot of listening to our customers. We do a lot of um, thinking about how we can satisfy their needs today and in the future, because that's where the best innovations come from. Mm-hmm. Right. So now the location in Phoenix that you're, you're yes. opening, is that going to be the furthest west you are or not? Do you have... You know, I'm, I'm trying to think about on the map if, if Las Vegas is more west than Phoenix, because we do have locations in Las Vegas. We do. Okay. Yes, we have three locations in Las Vegas. Um, but this, that is by a license, uh, licensed partner, so this mm-hmm. will be a company-owned one. So this will be the furthest west of the company-owned is this Is this where you, uh, I mean, are you, do you anticipate more westward expansion? I imagine you're not going to open in Phoenix and then just leave that one there. Well, you know, we want to make sure that we're offering a great mm-hmm. experience here. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that we get that right. And if we get that right, then we certainly would look at other places as well. Mm-hmm. Lisa, thank you very much for joining us this week on the podcast. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. I am here at RLC with Pat Kobe. Pat, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jonathan. 
All right, so uh, Pat, I just got done talking with uh, Lisa Ingram, um, and uh, White Castle last year introduced the Impossible Burger, which seemed to put the QSR space sort of on this fast track towards offering more plant-based products. We've seen Carl's Jr., um, uh, Del Taco, and now Burger King is testing it, and we're seeing a lot of activity. Why do you think uh, we're seeing a lot of this right now? Well, I think uh, younger consumers especially want more choice, and not everyone wants to eat meat every day, but mm -hmm. burgers is such a huge category, and they don't want to give up their burgers. So these plant-based burgers taste so much like, you know, real burgers that it's really hard not, you know, hard to tell the difference, and this way they feel like they're being more sustainable, they're being healthier, and I think it fills a lot of needs. Mm -hmm. It's not really just for vegetarians either, I don't believe. No, it's for people who like burgers and like meat, but they might want a different option one or two days a week. They don't want to eat as much meat as they have in the past. And so this is a, a way they can sort of cut back on meat. Um, like Gen Z really want, is into sustainability. And this is a way they can um, sort of reduce the carbon footprint, sort of, you know, contribute to um, climate change and that kind of thing. Um, so it might not be because they want to give up meat. It might just be because they want to be more sustainable. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, I mean, do you think this, this is going to continue? I mean, do you think that we're going to see more fast food uh, chains go in this direction um, at all? I mean, is this, uh, I mean, do you think that this is more of a longer term trend or just sort of a fad at the moment? No, I think it's a longer term trend because I think it gives a fast food menu a health halo. Mm -hmm. And even if you just take one item on the menu and give it a health halo, it attracts more consumers and customers to that chain. So I think it's definitely going to continue. Um, there are other chains. I mean, it's not only happening in burgers. There are chains in the pizza category that are doing cauliflower crust pizzas mm -hmm. because that's a health halo kind of item. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think in the fast food arena, I think more chains are going to be doing these, you know, plant-based or vegan options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, I think right now in the restaurant space, as you know, it's, it's really difficult to find traffic. It's really, especially mm -hmm. in, 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 with some fast food chains right now, it's just, this is a, it's a brutal market share war mm -hmm. and you really got to look everywhere you possibly can to try to, to, to get customers. And frankly, with something like the Impossible Burger, you know, sort of like, like what with, um, with what Noodles and Company did with Zoodles mm -hmm. last year when they, when they just did the zucchini noodles. It fit with their whole noodles thing. It, doesn't, it didn't detract from what... It wasn't like a complete... It's not like, I don't know, like... IHOP trying to offer salads or something like mm -hmm. that. It was, it was, it just fit with what they are normally about. And, and I think the Impossible Slider, which was really good, mm -hmm. by the way, was really fits in, in what they are trying to do. Um, you know, yet it still has that health halo you talk about. Right. And it also kind of gets rid of the veto boat. If mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of these fast food chains, people tend to go with a group. And so if somebody's a vegetarian, they can now go there and enjoy a burger that tastes and looks the same as their, you know, friends' burgers mm -hmm. or sliders. So I think it's a, it's a really, you know, good move on the part of White Castle. 
yeah. and the other chains that are doing it. Right, right, right. And I think breakfast is going to be the next category because impossible meat and the other plant-based meats, they're moving into other applications now. They're getting, they're going beyond burgers, and mm -hmm. they're they're doing sausages, and they're doing, um, you know, meat that can be put into tacos, like Del Taco is doing. It. It's just like crumbles, so that they can make something that tastes like chorizo. Mm -hmm. But I think breakfast is a really good opportunity because they can make these plant-based sausages that go on their egg sausage, you know, and cheese. McMuffins or mm -hmm. biscuits. So right. I think I think that's an untapped market that a lot of the fast food chains can get into. Right. And it's not just, um, and then we're not just talking about just like plant-based products, versions of meat, but we're also seeing Taco Bell with the vegetarian menu. Mm -hmm. um, Chipotle earlier this year uh, kind of somewhat brilliantly developed the, uh, came up with these lifestyle bowls, which mm -hmm. You know, they've, you've always been able to sort of customize your Chipotle bowl based on your different dietary habits, but they actually package this in a nice marketing mm -hmm. tool. And then you, you have mentioned the cauliflower crust and, and noodles and stuff. We are seeing a lot of innovation on, on sort of on the vegetarian front right now. Definitely. I think, um, you know, there are so many grains that are unexplored. Mm -hmm. Some of the fast casuals are getting into grain bowls. Uh, you know, and I'm sure fast food is going to you know, follow with that. Um, there are so many vegetables. There's one um, smaller chain, Dos Toros, that does that like seasonal vegetables mm -hmm. as an option that you can have on your bowl or in your burrito, and they're really good. It's right down the block from our office. Right. So we've gone there a number of times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is an easy visit when uh, when I go to Chicago. They also have like farro and, yep. and uh, quinoa you, instead right. of rice, which personally I like because, you know, I mean, at some point you got to mm -hmm. cut back on the rice if you eat uh, a lot, but it's just you right. feel a little bit better about eating those um, quite a bit. So, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty innovative concept over there. Right. And I think now that there's bulk plant-based meat available, mm -hmm. I think there are so many possibilities. I mean, you could do chili, you could do spaghetti sauce, you could do, you know, not only taco filling, but, um, you know, empanadas or so many other ethnic applications. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, it's really limitless as far as um, using plant-based meats. Right, definitely a lot of possibilities mm -hmm. um, if you're going to go plant-based. So interesting, Pat, and thank you very much for joining me on the podcast this week. Sure. You're welcome, Jonathan. Thank you. This week's edition of A Deeper Dive, as always, was edited by Christine Cawthon. Artwork by Sarah Stewart and Nico Hines. Contributors to this podcast include Pat Kobe, Peter Romeo, Heather Lally, and Sarah Rushworth. You can find this and other episodes on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash podcast. You can also find them on iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host and podcast producer. Thank you for listening.